0: Let's crack on. So welcome, welcome, welcome Mm -hmm. to Liz and as always, welcome to Terry. Uh, What what we're really doing is we're just exploring what is building people, who is building people. And I think one of the really key messages we we keep putting out is that it's not about us, it's not about building people. What it's about is is us driving traffic to, bringing together, uh, connecting, joining those dots, all that already exists. So when Terry and I were connected to the Connectives, uh, and we need to say a big thank you to Stopcocks, women plumbers for that connection. So thank you, Stopcocks. When we met um, Liz Allen and Liz Cross, for me actually, it was a little bit of a revelation because it became a little bit about building people. So when we had our first conversation, immediately it sort of came back to, well, how are you doing this? And what support might you need as building people? And, And this is what we can bring and this is how we can make it work. So Terry and I thought, right, we need to explore this. And actually, the conversation was so interesting that we should just record it and, and share it with people. So a huge welcome to you both. And um, are, are we all feeling good? Are we feeling as, as lively as I'm feeling today?
1: Good to hear you're feeling lively. <laughs> I,
0: I certain, certainly think so, Rebecca, but we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased you've got the memo about short hair. Um, obviously, it's only... Short hair allowed on this podcast, and I'm really excited because I, I, I got my haircut for the second time because the first haircut was quite a disaster. So I'm back to my usual. Oh no!
2: Imagine having the first one <coughs> disaster. How I think, disappointing!
1: I think we should move on I, from it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Rebecca,
3: I liked both haircuts, so I think you can sport either style. <laughs>
0: Thank you. and I think Terry's got a good point. We are, we are recording and the world is probably not that interested in my head. Of course I am. Mm. The connectives was, is, is something new. It's something different to us that we hadn't come across. So we, we work with lots with what we call <clears> outside <throat> organisations. Yes, the people that go out and find the individuals and then broker them into maybe jobs or training or provide PPE or networking groups. And... We're really interested, I think, let's use this time to explore how we can do more together. But do, do you want to get with a, what, what is the connectives? So I'm, I'm looking at bottom, Liz, like you won't know which one that is. So whichever Liz wants to kick off, tell us about the connectives.
2: Okay, I'll give you a little bit of a flavour, I you know, of the connectives. The thing that you need to know is that the connectives is a social enterprise. So we're not like a lot of traditional consultancy companies we do this because it matters to us that we can make a difference we can create some positive disruption through all of the work that we do with any of our clients that as a consequence will positively impact whether for people profit or planet and typically what we're looking to try and do when we work with people is to shake them out of their. What could be? What could the world look like if we all came at it from a slightly different perspective? So sometimes we are asking our clients some counterintuitive questions which lead them into a different way of approaching their work. But in terms of what do we do, um, we do a range of different consultancy type activity. So you would see us operating in lots of different sectors and the type of consultancy work that we do might be around Mm. organizational development, might be about people development, it might be about governance, it might be about executive coaching, it might be about social impact and how do we change the world and how do we make sure that social value is as valued by all of us as the financial performance of our organisation. So you'd see us working in a lot of different areas, and you'd also see us in lots of different industries. But we've got quite a wealth of experience around construction, around supporting people to get into construction, and how do you, how do you win work, how do you then secure work and deliver for the communities that you're creating those built assets in? So for us, construction and the people who work in it is a sector that we're passionate about. Um, and we would always want to be supporting that sector to look at how can it best support the communities and the individuals that it's it's working with and seeking to serve. Liz, do you want to jump in and add anything into that little description for a moment?
3: I think you did a fantastic job in describing what we're about, and I think the only thing I would add is that in the consulting space, there's often people who leave employment and set themselves up in consulting, Um, What we brought together in The connectors was people who were trained in consulting methodology and practice and who bring non-executive and executive experience as well. And I think sometimes when you're trying to genuinely partner with an organization, the maturity of that background enables you to appreciate that nobody knows their business better than they do. But what the consulting partner can bring is a breadth and depth and a variety of perspectives. That in combination creates a really new perspective on what might happen next. And that way of partnering with people is fundamentally important around having power with rather than power over kind of relationships. And I think something about building people kind of resonated with us, that it's about power with. It's about challenging this orthodoxy that people do things to you or for you, as opposed to how can we do things with you. And so uh, I think that's the other aspect of the connections
0: I'd bring to the fore. Yeah, and that's, that's so powerful that, that what can we do with you? Uh, I've, I've been spending most of my days having at least one virtual coffee every mm-hmm. day or one virtual swamp juice. And I'm just meeting people who, who are just getting in touch and saying, this is interesting, can we get involved? And everybody is bringing something so powerful to this. And, and the woman I spoke to yesterday, she said what really brought her in was the fact that we are bringing what already exists together, but crucially, we're we're really adding value to those small initiatives that often they're composed of volunteers and people are doing this in their spare time. There's, there's very little money. They've maybe got a website they've created themselves, but they could never afford to create uh, an, an events directory or an e-mentoring module. And, and she absolutely loved this idea that we're working with everybody else, with the idea that that what we create, the technology we create, we just share to create this one big piece that works. And that's the thing. And we ended up saying it might be about build, 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 but it's also about change, change, change. That's my mantra for this week.
1: I mean, we've actually, it's, it's evolved isn't it, in the last few months. It's in lockdown, we decided to accelerate the work with the communities. Uh, when we realized that we weren't going to, be able to go out and meet people we had virtual meetings with groups of people in uh, different areas of the building people communities and that's really worked well so as well as having the technology now almost finished we just launched a new website we're putting some new functionality on that in the next few weeks so the integration of the, the technology people can use that now and um, we also started to get the communities together and we've got over nearly 40 now organizations who are wanting to work together in those different uh, six different communities and do things together and actually ideas are coming out of those meetings already we've got our first um, joint uh, proposal for a uh, life cycle skills academy being put together and trying to work out how we can get that as part of something that will you know it's
2: really interesting that you say the life cycle skills academy hmm. because increasingly when well pretty much every client that i speak to at the moment whether it's a construction client or not the the whole aspect of how do i shift the workforce that I knew to become the workforce that I need, mm-hmm. the skills that are going to be required for me to also recognize that climate change has just gone from, probably the top 25% of my awareness and agenda to the top 2% of my awareness and agenda. And how can I make sure that they understand as well as we do the impact on our, our business potentially if we can't step into that space? And so even today, there's a, um, a webinar which is on that the, the SEUK are delivering at lunchtime around small steps that social enterprises can make to really positively affect, affect climate change. And mm-hmm. it's that moment when you just go, Oh, my God, the world turned not just around the pandemic, but around how we as individuals within each organisation is going to be skilled enough to step into the space we need to. Yeah. So I can really well believe that everybody you talk to at the moment will go, please, please, a skills academy, let me get in there, you know. They're going to need it.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, I idea, think... so the, the idea of this one is to have more of a, uh, an um, an informal not quite so um, so when you talk about skills academies people always assume that you're going to be doing um, apprenticeships and level three level two and even higher level qualifications and actually what this is about is making uh, getting people to understand the sector by working on on a site that's actually in the sector so actually setting up little uh, informal sk- schools, if you like, for people who are coming from diverse backgrounds on site, so they can experience the working environment, understand what's going on around them, uh, <laughs> and learning some skills to help them enter the sector. That's what we're trying to do. The thing is, it's come from the industry, we didn't precipitate it, four or five of our partners got together after one of our calls and said, I'm doing this, you're doing that, can we work together? And then they came to us and said, can you help facilitate it? So that's what we're trying to do.
3: Brilliant. I think um, one mm-hmm. of the things I'd add into the mix on that, Terry, and I don't know if it's come, come up in your discussions, but certainly um, for my part, I've been involved in education for the last part of 35 years in terms of governance of primary, further education, formerly uh, higher education as well. And what really strikes me is, is critical to the life cycle development programs we need to look at is how we develop what loosely could be called coaching skills, but t- to be honest they 're about developing critical faculty and the ability to express curiosity and to develop with others um, uh, wisdoms and insights as opposed to a belief in an old orthodoxy, which is if I just knew more answers or I just ac- ac- acquired more expertise, that that would serve me throughout the whole of my life and I think there's a huge shift in actually recognizing. That we can't predict the future. So when we develop people, what we need to do is develop this this kind of muscle that enables them to learn and grow and to keep being curious and to not see knowledge as either a weapon or a, or a power, but actually to see learning and curiosity and and those kind of coaching style skills. Mm. Um, and certainly, I think it was the uh, uh, social development goals that identified that critical faculty is probably one of the most underdeveloped. Uh, uh, mindsets that we have across the world and yet you look at the complexity of the issues we face and surely that's the thing we need to have so I hope that um, talking about skills academies we we think about some of those skills um, which I think people in the built environment are going to need more than ever because they're going to be facing challenges around restrictions of resources or legislation in different countries Um, so lots of things to play for in that space
1: Mm. and it's interesting as well because the um there's kind of a a two faces to the built environment the construction sector certainly in that um there's brilliant problem solvers you know so i remember i've been impressed by working with teams even on my own house where the guys doing the groundwork they sort of the uh, they're doing digging holes in the back garden they had adv- advice for the engineers on how the enge- how the foundation should be underpinned and managed and so on and they were right and his calculations are wrong and he took that advice on board so the, there's a lot of problem solving a lot of knowledge and experience at the ground level and, and willing to tackle each problem and try and work how they apply their experience as well as their knowledge to it yet at the top levels you do feel that people are afraid of getting things wrong and being seen not to know the answer so there's kind of almost absolutely a t- it, it, yeah. emotional intelligence there isn't there in that leaders don't aren't expected to know all the answers, they're expected to lead, not to do it. And Absolutely. Uh, that's a good thing for a lot of managers. And I've, I've, my observation is, particularly in the built environment, that's often often lacking.
2: This is I, th- I think you've got on. So, I was just gonna say, when do we get to the point that our seniority means that we believe that we? should have the answers and stop asking the questions. When did we get so unkind to one another that it was still okay to not know the answer? You know, it's, it yeah. feels as though it's almost like once you've passed that salary pay grade, oh, no, you need to know all the answers yourself now.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that and that is the very point, isn't it, about um, leader leaders leading from a place of humility and curiosity, not judgment. And I think that that is, for me, something about not allowing this orthodoxy. Liz talked about our jobs around positively disrupting the way people think about things. You know, as people mature and grow through the built environment industries, what we need to do is keep hold of that, which you've just described so well, Terry, which is that kind of constantly agile mindset that says, actually, I've got all the things I need in order to figure out the problem, even when I've never seen that kind of problem before. You know, and I never cease to be amazed by how substantial an impact in GDP the built environment industries has so if we could start to lift this uh, understanding of what opportunities there are and not just let people think oh I don't want to go into muddy construction sites you know that's what it's all about but actually start to see ways of thinking that actually could be deployed in so many different ways I think there's a lot of cost transference there to 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 develop so Mm.
0: and you know there's that it's got me thinking about what it is we're doing, because I, I've always seen it like, I feel a bit like, we. sometimes I use the analogy of it's a, a big bowl of spaghetti and it's a complete mess and we're trying to, to make connections and neaten things up. So other times it's like a spider's web, that there's all this activity happening. And then I go into being a, um, uh, a conductor and sort of conducting this orchestra. So but just bear with me, I'm going somewhere with this there's all this amazing activity happening. And I, I think poor Terry, yeah, well, he sort of thinks, right, you know, we know what building people is now. So I said to Terry, right, you know, we've got these six buttons on our website and that connects people to what already exists and then to mentors and then to events. But actually I think we need a seventh button, an eighth and a ninth. We're currently on button number nine. So a seventh button taking the people through to, these are the 40 odd communities or so organisations we're working with as part of our communities. The eighth button, we're exploring creating a um, a directory of consultancy services because we look at the small organisations out there and they really could do with somebody coming in and just helping them with an event or bid writing. And how do you find these organisations? And how do you know which ones are social enterprises or charities or owned, and it's got a minority owner? So that's button eight. Um, And then button nine, we're now looking at Um, And I've just sort of button 10, which is why I'm getting a bit excited this end. Um, But button nine is this is a link to partner directories. So we know that Stopcox is creating a register of tradeswomen. Let's shine some light on that. We know that Black Professionals in Construction has created a supply chain portal. Again, let's do something, let's shine the light, give them some oxygen. So, so button number nine, we're looking at um, this, this partner directories page. And then just hearing the conversation, I, I pulled it up on my other screen here, but um, and poor Terry's going, God, not button <laughs> number 10. Um, How do you come across economy of hours? Because this is something I hadn't heard of. And again, this is just what I love about what we do. Somebody comes to me and says, I've had an idea. Um, and it's a fabulous idea, which is everyone's time is considered equal and you matter. So people are recognised as experts, by the network their particular skills, and they can be borrowed um, by others to share this knowledge. You gain points for sharing your knowledge, and you can then use those points to borrow other people. And, um, and this, is, this is going on. And so, my, my thoughts are well, what if somebody's bringing this together and we could help create something like this in construction and the built environment? So you've got the, the, the new entrants who really want to get going. You've got the, the more senior people who want to give back. And it's all this mess. So panic not, Terry. I'm not going to go straight into <laughs> number 10. But I, I do think that's what building people is seeking to do, is, is just to leverage what's out there, help provide some structure so people can find it and to get involved with it rather than this this fragmented siloed mess where everything happens independently. And I think people do look to the leaders. So we, we you know we look is it the CITB, is it the Construction Leadership Council, is it the, the Tier Ones? <clears throat> when actually it's that grassroots activity that is going to change the culture, which will change the industry, which will enable more people to come in to become more diverse. That was a can we do button number 10 please, Terry. <laughs> I'm
3: <getting it> now. <laughs> I, I- I think you do need a a few more buttons in your button box. And, you know, as I hear you describe that, Rebecca, you know, I think one of the tragedies in any sector is where people compete with one another over the wrong things like diversity or health and safety. You know, when we know deep down collaborating around those things that should be permission to play criteria is the right way forward. And, you know, that sense that there's seldom anything new under the sun, um, As you were describing that economy of ours I was a bit excited by it but I was thinking it kind of resonates with the old let schemes you know the local economic trade schemes that people used to have in years gone by. Forgive the puppy noise in the background just bear with me a moment. (laughs) We want to see the puppy. Like being locked down with two puppies who who (laughs) occasionally get a bit boisterous um, but I was thinking about the let schemes and then I was thinking about Time Bank, and I was thinking what I love about what you're doing is you're not saying there's a, a singular answer to everything or this is the only good idea on the block. What you're saying is here's a mosaic of extraordinary people who share a common purpose that actually there's something fundamentally right in enabling a sector to grow and mature and become diverse and to you know, shine with ethics that all of us could subscribe to. And all of those can stand side by side, they, they, they can collaborate rather than compete. And so when I hear your buttons, what I see is a kind of new way of thinking about how do we put things in easy access to many, but without necessarily saying, you know, you can only have one of these or one of those or one of the others, and this is the expert or the guru or the, the right way of doing things. So, you know, keep, keep building your buttons would be my view. Um, they keep getting exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I love that mosaic idea. And I think that's that's one of the inherent problems that we have is, is people say, you know, this is my profession. You know, We deal with this profession. We have our members that deal with this profession. So you're kind of encroaching on our space and, and we're going to be doing what you're doing anyway. And that's just, just so simply not the case in that we're trying to enable every profession, profession every trade every occupation. And I, yeah, that mosaic, mosaic buttons. Oh, I'm getting... Like, now yeah <laughs> we, we describe that as abundance mindset mm.
1: if
3: that helps Rebecca because you know so many people live with a scarcity mindset and our view is you know if you hold an abundant mindset there's enough of everything it just isn't always in the right place with the people who need it most and so part of the connectives was we decided when we set up our business that actually we trade as a social enterprise, and we take the expertise we've got from, you know, many many organisations across the world that we've worked with in consulting environments, and we would charge a market rate for the kind of work we do in the marketplace that is is appropriate. Um, we have that essentially for voluntary sector organisations and charities, and then we use our intellectual property, and our our um, capability and our profits to invest in uh, people um, and, and startups and people who we know will pay it forward by the way in which they'll work in the world. You know, hence the kind of work we're doing with, with you, which is completely on the basis that, like you, we believe in this. Why wouldn't we want to do a bit of business coaching, offer you some consultancy experience? And we know then that pound becomes a virtuous pound that circulates through the money we make in the construction industry. We can actually invest back in in a different way by supporting organizations like your stopcocks, which is, you know, as you rightly say, how we first came to be here when we were doing something in an arts and culture project. And somebody said, I think you need to talk to these women who I know are doing this. Would you give them a hand? And of course the answer was yes. So that idea of abundance mentality takes us to a point where if you're generous, things always come back round in different ways and feed your soul or feed the things you care most about. And I think all businesses could afford to hold that abundance mentality and see what comes as a consequence, you know. I think you're right.
2: I think you're right. And I think the other thing that strikes me is the conversation you and I have had several times before, but perhaps is more pertinent than ever, around we can never anticipate what the the future roles in this sector or any other are gonna look like. Because as, you know, technology evolves and as our perception of what you know, a traditional role is and a traditional function is within a construction process. Those things will will always change and, and adapt. And trying to have that scarcity mentality around, oh yeah, but there's only ever going to be this kind of job that we need to do and we're so good at doing this. You should pick us, pick us, pick us. Actually, there's going to be a whole range of different things that need to be delivered and a range of ways that we engage with our clients of the future. Um, and it's about having the, I suppose maturity and abundance to go. There will be enough. It's okay, Mm -hmm. you know. I I can understand at the moment why an awful lot of businesses are terrified of what does the future look like. But actually, as as Liz would say. We're the grown-ups in the room. We get to decide what does some of this look like. We can help support one another to get through this if we take that mentality. So, as always, it's it's just resonates so much. You know, just bring as much of you as you can, and other people will do the same. You know,
1: so. I think from for the building people perspective, the uh, the communities we're building are made up of um, organisations and and individuals who have got a passion for a particular uh, minority group or interest or, or something, and and. But then as as they don't realize often um, they are making up as they go along, as most businesses are, because, you know, you can't, the plans never survive engagement with the enemy, do they? So, you know, as soon as you make your plan, it's of date. So you just do what the right thing is at the right time. And, uh, and whereas in business, you know, you accept that and you know the the market changes and you follow it when you're doing a social enterprise, you feel you should know the answer, know how to do it. And if it's, if it's not working, it's your fault. But actually it's exactly the same, and what we what we probably could do, Rebecca, another button for you, perhaps, is to try and find a way of um, getting those uh, social enterprise enterprises we're working with together, so they can share their ideas and experiences and kind of coach each other a bit as well. Because it'd be great mm-hmm. if we just could deal with all of them, but I'm sure there's not enough resource to go. <laughs> uh, no. and, and you
0: know, I'm, I'm just I'm just finding. Um, I wrote down some some words from this the conversation I had yesterday. Um, which, of course, now I'm not going to be able to find. Um, it, was, it was when I spoke, actually, I was talking with, with Micah at um, um, Stopcox, that was it. And, and she said, because we're talking about the importance of changing the culture of the industry, and she was saying exactly that, that there's a danger we've created these six communities that we need to have a more intersectional approach and, and bring people together. And she was saying it's by understanding one another's <laughs> issues, that we will change the culture. Mm-hmm. If, if you've got the, the group that focuses on women, not talking to the group that focuses with ex military, on ex military, then we're not going to get that learning, that culture change. And it's great, you know, language like, you know, allies and her feeling that there's a sense of urgency. We've got a window here. We've got to capitalize on this. I agree. It's all these conversations. I, I, can, see, I can see. See,
2: I, I was on a conversation last night with some colleagues who were based in Hawaii, and we were talking about gender issues that relates to some work that we were doing. And we were saying, how do we, um, how could we elevate the, the concept of gender issues so that it, there was a, an expectation that people gave this attention and understanding. And what we were saying was on the back of the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of us will have found ourselves going, I don't know if I've got the right language. I don't know if I tackle this appropriately. I don't know if I ask the right questions. And it's not because I don't want to, I just don't know whether I'm addressing this from the right way. And it's not until we're prepared to have those conversations that are entirely without judgment, but with enormous curiosity, that we will overcome those kind of boundaries and get, do you know what, it's okay not to know the answer to this, as long as you're curious enough to want to find out, how can I contribute to changing this industry, so that everybody feels that they are part of it, and that everyone sees themselves reflected in it.
3: I think you're spot on Liz and I think it's the place where we um, take away the barriers and defensiveness you know it's an industry that absolutely hasn't got diversity writ large all over it but if we cannot get to that place as Liz has just described where people don't feel guilty or don't feel uh, uh, you know ashamed because they're white and they're male but actually what they say is What am I missing? How can I help? What would it look like? What are the benefits to everyone, actually? If we embrace inclusion and we value diversity, for me, that's the language of the day is embrace inclusion. It's it's got to be um, an inclusive way as opposed to just changing power in binary ways. And I think that point Mike makes, that intersectionality is spot on. If what we're looking for is something that's better than what we've had in the past, What we can't do is tackle issues in sort of siloed ways. What we have to say is actually inclusive cultures are better for everyone, but actually we've got to make people feel that actually they can be part of the solution. So that language around allies is really important. Um, Lots of literature over many, many decades shown that, you know, women have got into more senior positions in industry often because there's been a male mentor. That's just the truth of it. If you haven't been to the top of the hill, then you need somebody to to kind of, you know, champion your ability to get to the top of the hill. Because when you get there, you might realize there's a mountain range, you know, far, far out there that actually you didn't even know. So the thing about equity needs to be better understood. You know, the race doesn't start on an equal basis. So there does need to be some, you know, um, support. There does need to be people are prepared to take others with them. There does need to be some redistribution of opportunity and experience but that's got to be done in a way where everybody sees that's to the benefit of everyone and not your gain is my loss Mm. and i think as an industry we really got to tackle that in a very compassionate way otherwise it's going to get a very slow and tedious sequential and incremental kind of shift in the in the nature of how we tackle particularly the issues around diversity yeah no
0: i I couldn't agree more i i I, we could talk about this all more days weeks months i can see Terry is desperate to say something i'm i'm, I'm looking at trying to keep the, the sort of these these conversations relatively snappy so we we get um opportunities for people to listen um as they're having their cups of tea and chocolate digestives go on terry what is it you know? yeah,
1: I think there's three things that have come out of this for me that we can decide to pursue or not and maybe it's after we've had to finish the uh, discussion we can decide which ones we want to take with you guys is um uh, I think the people who are running and trying to start up the social enterprises and the not-for-profits that we're working with in our communities, many of them would benefit from talking to each other about how they do things. When did you do this? How does social media work for you? And how do you engage with your communities? All that sort of stuff. So there'd be some really useful cross uh, discussions there, which I think could would do intersectionally so they can start to understand each other's issues and that there are similarities and differences there. I think there's a business level, which is much more about coaching those leaders who are trying to make a difference and helping them and encourage them and empowering them to be more bold if they're not being bold enough or to share and to to take other people's help as well. That's the second thing. And the third thing is maybe there's an opportunity for the industry, for managers in the industry to have a discussion with a group of those people just to have explained... Um, some of the issues being faced by a particular minority group and why it's important. And the thing that Liz just said about why um, women have benefited from male uh, mentorship in, the, in different stages of their career, not because there's anything wrong with them. And actually mentors are a good thing for everybody, but actually you have to recognise that there's a hill to be climbed. And, and so maybe getting some of those senior people or, or more senior people in the industry to understand that maybe that is a good way of... Um, of trying to offer a service back to the the the, the mainstream of the managers in the, in the industry that we're trying to address
0: yeah i, I, I
2: think, think we've
3: got more buttons coming up <laughs> i think it's an exciting uh, an exciting summary terry and i do think you know there is so much to be gained from leveling that place in which crowdsourcing solutions to common problems works at every level it's not just at the startup level mm-hmm. but it's at the kind of you know mature level where actually you're looking to scale up or step change or diversify the services you offer and I think so like Liz and I and our colleagues who definitely want to make a difference would love to be able to put an ounce of effort in to support people who are doing all of this all the time so that actually what we can do is move forward together more quickly um, as opposed to any kind of singular uh, solution so I love your idea of bringing those kind of communities together so definitely count us in we'll play our part
1: great
0: <laughs> playing a part already well thank thank you thank you thank you because I I I think there's a real danger of being in the the lockdown well that's finished, but the bubble of just zoom and making things happen and not actually having space to think. So I'm going to suggest that we now go away and and create some action plans as to how to deliver all of this. But I'm going to stop recording and say a huge thank you until the next time. And if you want to get in touch with the Connectives, please do, we'll we'll share contact details. And as always, Terry and I are here uh, waiting, waiting to, to get involved with everything that's happening. Right, stop recording, here goes.